Welcome to the Wisdom Club podcast, where we talk to inspirational business leaders in our community that inspire us to lead a life full of wisdom and build a business as worthy of our wildest dreams. I'm your host, Leo Chen. I'm a tech entrepreneur, real estate advisor, and investor located right here in sunny coastal Orange County, California. And the goal of this podcast is to expand your mind and share what's possible. All right, we are live. Good morning, Juan. Good morning, Leo. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are always, uh, it's always a privilege to have, you know, one of our icons here on our uh, live feed and podcast. And I'm super excited uh, for this. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you know, the uh, this time of the year, a lot of people got a lot going on. And I just appreciate uh, you uh, making it here. And so um, I want to start off by um, just talking about kind of your inspirational story of how you, you know, got, got into what you do now in real estate. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, you can take me back as far as you need to. And uh, kind of, you know, uh, one of the most common question I get from people, how do I become, you know, you know, how do I get into real estate? And how do I do investments? And how do I do that kind of things? And I think if you can lead up with your story, it would give a lot of people a lot of context also about you, um, as well as, uh, you know, kind of see that there's a possible path for them. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you, Leo. Um, lots to cover here. I'll try to summarize it. So my, my background, um, my family comes from Mexico, like not my, like, like my parents and, 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 and me, I have this unique situation where I was born in the U S but two weeks after I was born, my mom took me back to Mexico and for three years, my parents sold um, their cattle, uh, their land, and everything to save enough save enough money to be able to come back across to the U.S. and and we had a crossover illegally, uh, which a lot of like you know Latino families have to do. And so I tell people that I was one of the few that was actually legal legal citizen and crossed over illegally. Uh, and that was because out of the family of 10, there's eight siblings in then my mom and dad, the family of 10, I was the only one that was a legal citizen. So, and then by, when we came, when we crossed over, I was four years old. And so they couldn't just let me go by myself. And so I, I I'm in this unique situation where that, that happened. And so my parents left Mexico because they only had a sixth grade education. There was no running water, no electricity. They were farmers. Um, and so life was really, really hard on them. And so having only a sixth grade education, they they did not want that for, you know, for their family of eight, you know, four boys and four girls. And so they they sought out to, for this dream of, of heading to the U.S. with one goal and one goal only, and that's getting us all educated. And so a lot of times people think that, hey, in order to get to a certain point in life, you had to have had this great head start um, and, and, you know, this great schooling and all these opportunities. And I can tell you that that is not the case. I mean, we're someone who came from Mexico. When we first got here to the U.S., in order for us to, to survive, you know, no one spoke English. In our summers, we would work in the fields picking garlic. Uh, a lot of a lot of Mexicans, when they cross the border, uh, they go to the Central Valley. So that's, you know, Fresno, Madera, Bakersfield, those types of areas. There's a lot of farm work. And we grew up at the age of nine. I was finally allowed to go work in um, in the garlic fields where where we would clip garlic on our knees in the summer and we would fill up this five gallon bucket 
Leo, if you fill up that five gallon bucket, you've earned one dollar. You've earned one dollar. And so as a nine year old, I was averaging uh, ten dollars a day. And so you I grow up in this family where there's a lot of love and a lot of hard work. So like uh, my sisters would work in the fields with us uh, in the morning. They would go home, shower up and go to their next job. So this is in the summer. And so and then my brothers would get home. Uh, after doing the the work in the fields, and then they would go uh, on their newspaper route. And so everyone had jobs. It was like not just one job, like multiple jobs. And so I grow up working and and with that one goal in mind is everyone has to get through high school. Everyone has to go to college. And so fast forward everything. Um, I'm the sixth child. Um, and my sisters, you know, they start going to Fresno State. We had a few of us, um, one went to UCLA, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. And so little by little, all eight go and, and get degrees and some um, PH level, uh, PhDs within our family. And so the goal of, of the eight was accomplished by my parents. And so, you know, I, I went to school um, uh, here at Cal State Long Beach. That's why I live in Long Beach now. And so I got a degree in accounting. And, you know, I applied this work ethic that I had as a young kid and um, like work to us wasn't work. It's just we knew no other way. Like we didn't know that people in the summer were part of YNCA camps and going on camping trips and on fishing trips. And I spent we spent our summers working and we didn't know any better. So when you learn that type of work ethic, you know, you just don't complain, you just work. And, and so when it came to school, I worked hard. And so when it came to the college level and accounting and all these things, and that's not an easy major, I worked hard at it. So because of that hard work, I got heavily recruited by the accounting firm. So PricewaterhouseCoopers, Deloitte & Touche, uh, Ernst & Young, um, and KPMG, all of them gave me offers. We want you to join our company. And so typically what happens in the world of, of accounting, you, you come in and as an auditor, you work for a few years with them. Uh, they, they work you to the bone and then you, you go and you become a CPA. So that was my path was I was going to become a CPA. I graduate and I sign on with Deloitte and Touche. Now, in my senior year, I took a, a, a job with this uh, real estate entrepreneur, Mark Milan, still my mentor, friend, business partner today. And so that last year, I like I, I knew that Deloitte and Touche was going to be waiting for me to start that summer. And I was working with Mark and Mark was like buying apartment buildings and adding value and buying vacant commercial buildings and subdividing them. And I learned one thing from Mark and Mark was saying, if you buy a piece of real estate and if you change its income, you've drastically changed the value of that property. That is where wealth is built. And so my senior year, I'm like running errands for Mark and asking questions. And it got to the point where I was graduating in May. And Mark said, hey, I know you are planning to go work for Deloitte and Touche. I know you want to be a CPA. If there's any chance of, of me recruiting you to become um, like my, my assistant, like my business partner, I would love for you to join my company. And so I, I took the biz, biggest risk of my life is I went with this one individual, called Deloitte and said, I know you're waiting for me to start this summer. I've decided that I'm not going to take that job anymore. They were not happy because they did spend a lot of time courting me. And, and so... I took this big risk and everyone thought I was, uh, a lot of people said, you made a mistake. How would you ever like turn down this huge company that a lot of people, if you're an accounting major, you want this job. This is not an easy job to get. You have to earn it. And they're not giving job offers to everybody. So I, I took, I took the past 
path less traveled. And I, and I went into this world of like real estate investment. So I wasn't getting into real estate to be a realtor because that's not really what Mark did. He was buying buildings, adding value, reselling them, sometimes keeping them. So I, I was taught by Mark um, on how to build wealth through real estate investment. And I was fortunate that, that um, I, you know, he, he said, if you join me, I'm going to teach you how to build wealth. And, you know, if you're a CPA, you're going to be capped, but like, I, I'm going to show you what I know. And he kept his, uh, you know, his, his bargain. And so early on as a 24 year old, 25 year old, I, I had, I, there was to a point where by the time I was 27, I had a portfolio of properties, over a dozen condos, apartment buildings, commercial buildings. And it was all because I listened to Mark, I paid attention and I took the risk. And, you know, there was times where I may have not known what I was doing, but I always had Mark there as like, hey, should I buy this? And sometimes he'd say, buy both. I'm like, oh, I could only afford one. He's like, buy both. And so there was this, I did have someone behind me assisting and kind of guiding me through that process. And so I tell people that I'm a, real estate investor first and real estate broker second. And so, you know, now fast forwarding, um, Mark and I still work together. Uh, I've since branched off and started my own brokerage company. And that brokerage, that's where I teach people how to invest. And I took all the tools that Mark taught me. And, you know, what makes me different, um, Leo, from, from other um, multifamily brokers, most brokers are just that. They're just a real estate broker. All they know is um, how to help you buy it, how to help you sell it. What they don't know is the 10, 15 years in between of an, of an apartment ownership, what that's like, the good, the bad, uh, and everything in between, the repairs, the maintenance, the evictions, and all the stuff that goes on when you own an apartment building. And that's where my value is at. I could help you buy it. I know what a good deal is. I could help you analyze it. I could teach you that. I know how to dispose of a property. I know when we should sell it and go for a larger building, how to avoid paying taxes through a 10, uh, 1031 exchange program. But that middle portion of this is how we operate a business. This is how we maximize it. That's the value. That is really, really what makes the difference um, with the service that I'm providing. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's the intangible, right? Is kind of, uh, you know, purchasing and, you know, we all, we all are consumers. We can buy things. We know like, hey, we put out the money, figure out the how much you know, uh, how much it needs, and then what we want, and then we buy it, and then it's ours. And like, okay, what do I do now, right? <laughs> kind of yeah. a thing. Yeah. Until you have this uh, other goal of maybe exiting or selling, or if you're just gonna, you know, hold forever, which a lot of people do. Um, my mom included. Uh, over the time that she was a realtor, she, you know, bought a portfolio of properties too that are all completely cash flowing. She was doing, you know, single family homes herself. Um, but I, I want to just uh, just comment a little bit about all that stuff you said. I mean, what a what an amazing, humble uh, humble beginning that you guys had, and I'm a so uh, I'm so impressed, you know, with your family, with your parents things like that. I mean, your minimum standard, right? Your minimum standard is graduate, you know, college, right? And everybody did, like everybody met their minimum standards. And you guys, you know, were in your early 20s and um, have, have done that. And I don't know the span of your uh, siblings as far as age is concerned, but that may have been, you know, what, you know, 10 year, you know, a, a 12 year span of like one after the other graduating yeah. college and a great celebrations you guys must have, you know, for each person that that have done that. And and uh, how I can only imagine, I can only imagine if I had eight kids, um, uh, what that must feel like to each time, you know, that that kid, you know, 
accomplishes the goal and and move on to something you know greater and bigger and and uh, I can only imagine how happy that your parents must be for for what you guys have done um and uh thank you for um, all of that stuff and your I, I I am I mean this is the first time I'm hearing your story of of Deloitte and Touche your opportunities coming out of college and then how you kind of made this decision and it's I mean, I don't know many people that would make that decision to go with real estate with if, if we're, they were given that same type of choice, because here is your guaranteed, you know, everything, you know, a job, a salary, uh, benefits, and, you know, whatever else, you know, uh, all kind of lined up for you, a, a guaranteed, you know, path and track. And then yet you had this um, other opportunity that came up and somebody uh, made a promise to you and, uh, and, and so so amazing he completely kept it and and gave you everything that he he said that he would and more um take me back to that time like what what was going on in your head on on making that decision i don't know if it was a quick thing or a, 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 a lots of thinking or you know some people do their pros and cons and stuff like that like they take that back because a lot of us you know i um i had <clears throat> excuse me i had uh, guests come on the podcast here. And one of the things we talk about is at any given time in your life, one decision, just one decision could completely change your entire life. Now, whether that's a decision on a, a, a mental mindset that you, you know, you'd stuck to or a career decision, kind of like what you did um, or deciding to marry someone like that one decision. Right. And so, so I like to kind of just take, take you back to that time and, 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 kind of experience what that was like for you. It was a really, really difficult decision. And at first, when Mark approached me with the with the offer, I said no. I mean, it was that quick. It was, I didn't even think about it. I said no. I said I've 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 already promised. And in my head, um, in my head, I wanted my parents to like, you know, when you become a CPA, that is like a profession that everyone respects. Like everyone respects a CPA. Uh, not everyone respects the real estate profession and some may not even call it a profession, you know? And so I told him no. And here was the most interesting thing, Leo, is the older guys that were already working for Deloitte that helped like uh, recruit me, you know, cause there was courting. I mean, there was golf trips, there was dinners, all kinds of fancy stuff. You know, I, I didn't grow up eating at Ruth Chris and that's where they took me to give me the offer. Okay. It was really, really amazing opportunity for someone uh, with my background and being exposed to all these things. And so, you know, Hey, I felt special. The one thing I realized from every recruiter that I had that was recruiting me, they were more interested in what I was doing with Mark. So the conversation already always went to, what, what do you do now? And, you know, I was, a, I was, I was in school, they recruited me while I was in school. And so I would say, Oh, well, I'm working with this real estate investor and he buys apartment buildings. And sometimes he downsizes them. And sometimes he adds more. And sometimes he does this, the conversation with every recruiter was tell me more about that. Can I meet him? Can I have lunch with him? And I got to the point where I'm like, wait, I'm trying to join their company. They are already there. And I don't think they're happy. And they're more interested in what Mark is doing. That one was like a that that was the first time where I started thinking, wow, am I making the right decision? Like, why is it that they care more about what I'm doing right now? Where I made the decision was um, um, the Mark. So so Mark is much older than I. So Mark is maybe seventy now. Okay, Mark's mentor was a guy named Jeff Chauncey. Jeff Chauncey 
a super wealthy man, sold his business, all of his real estate here in Beverly Hills, and was going to move to Florida, as a lot of people do. Okay. His last day in, uh, in LA, I ran into Jeff at the bank and I was making deposits for Mark. You know, I, I would go around collecting his rents and I was there while well, Jeff waited for me. And I didn't, and, and I said, Hey, Jeff, I like, are you all packed? He's like, I'm done. He's like, we're catching a flight tomorrow. And he's like, Juan, if I could give you some advice, I'm like, please. He said, if I was in your shoes, I would take the, the job offer from Mark. And I, and he said, because if you become a CPA, you're going to have a good profession. He's like, but you're going to be capped. He says, if you learn how to invest the way that Mark does, Juan, the sky's the limit. You, you, could, you could retire early. You could have cash flow. You don't have to have a boss. You don't have to work the hours that they're going to make you work. And at that moment, like I looked up to Mark, like Mark was like this person. Who, I was like, man, Mark's made it. Mark looked up to Jeff. Um, and so I got in my car. And uh, I called my dad and, and listen, my dad at that, my parents never learned to speak English. And so to kind of describe to my dad, like I was going to turn down this accounting job to go work for this, this other person. He was like, I don't think you should do that. I'm like, I, I made up my mind. And it was probably the conversation with Jeff. I think that that to me was, I feel like the chances of me seeing him there, the chances of him waiting, the fact that like, he didn't have to convince, he didn't have to do that, but he did. And, and that was, that was it. But at that moment I was fully in. I called Mark. I said, I'm in. I had to call, make that difficult call to Deloitte. And uh, then when my friends and everyone found out, uh, a lot of people turned their back on me. There was, there was a lot of people making jokes that like, like you're an idiot. Like you, you worked this hard to have all these good grades, to be involved, to be recruited, to stand out um, amongst these accounting students. And now you burned that situ that, that bridge, you completely burned it. And for some time, Leo, I thought that I did too. For some time, I thought that I did too. Now, no. Now, now looking back, and it's been some time. That was that was um, the summer of 2003. Now looking back, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I made that decision. Yeah, I mean that's that is so that is so amazing and interesting to me um, because you somehow even even with all the things and all the evidence and you know uh, even with Jeff, you know, giving you that advice, even with Mark had already, you know, been showing you the ropes and even with all of that stuff, I don't know that anybody would still be able to click and get it. Like, you know, cause we're all young and when we were young, we just wanted, you know, some cool thing at that time. We're not thinking 10 years out, 20 years out, right? We're not thinking like, oh, you know, we're not thinking about, hey, sky's the limit we're thinking like hey if i get a job i'm gonna be stable i'm gonna have i'm gonna be set you know and then um you know i'm gonna you know find a girl you know dating and and, and get married and have kids and they'll be well provided for we have a steady, steady, steady job and i'll i'll be able to you know take this path mm -hmm. but in in taking this kind of i don't want to say it's a hundred percent unknown because obviously you have been kind of doing it but that one idea of like hey you know, you are set kind of, you know, in the long term that you can, you know, the possibility are limitless, um, mm -hmm. that you understood that at that young age is, is incredible to me, you know, so um, that's a lot of credit, a lot of credit to you. And uh, you deserve, you know, everything, you know, today, uh, you know, just based, just based on that. And, um, and to be able to also uh, face the music, if you will, of people who are doubting and doubting yourself. And I just can't, uh, I just can't, can't imagine all of that stuff. I mean, 
uh, some people could have buckled, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, so good for you. So some of those earlier days, then, you know, once you've made that decision, um, you know, what were the next, uh, let's say, you know, three to five years, maybe of, of how that, what that was like, I mean, did things really just started to like click and you were like, Oh my God, I, I mean, how long did you feel like yeah. I absolutely 150% made the right decision? Right. Once, once I started buying buildings uh, and some buildings I'd buy alone and other buildings I'd buy with Mark. And so uh, something very simple. So let me just give you like what I did at a very young, young age. Um, back then uh, there was, back then there were still properties that had been foreclosed on and they were being resold. And so Mark had a condo that he was buying and, and I was asking him about it. He's like, why don't you buy it? And I'm like, and this was back when like, um, you didn't really have to show income. It was, it was during the time where like, um, I make 200,000. I didn't make 200,000, like not even close, but they believed you and they gave you a, a loan. And so the things that we were doing at a very basic level that even if someone does and applies today, it would still work. Okay. In Signal Hill. So there's Long Beach. And then we have a little hill. It's called Signal Hill. It's its own little city. I, I bought a foreclosed condo. That was my very first purchase. It was two bed, two bath. Now that condo had a dining room and a very basic thing that Mark always said, he's like, Hey, in the city of Long Beach, people pay more for bedrooms. Take that dining room with permits uh, make it a third bedroom. And he says that automatically will raise the value by 30,000. So uh, he was so busy and, and he did put it in escrow. He was able to transfer the name into me. I was able to get the loan. I bought it. And, um, and I went to the city, um, you know, everything he told me. And I, and I just hand drew this, this is what I'm going to do. And they're like, okay, they gave me the permit and I built this thing. And, uh, you know, it's just a couple of walls in a closet. They needed a window. There's certain requirements you have to do, but that, that I was able to net, you know, after commissions and everything, $35,000. And so then I like, that was kind of like a quick three month hold. It was fast. I had the money. I was like, I'm, I'm a genius. Right. Um, and so then after that, that one led to a lot of other condos where I was doing the same thing. And then, uh, then we were looking at apartment buildings and the commercial buildings. And then early on, I realized I'm like, oh, this is, this is going to be good. Now, Leo, it did change because this was, this was right at the beginning of like, uh, you know, zero down stated loans and that type of stuff. And a lot of people talk bad on it. Oh, that was a horrible time. I'm like, you know, without that time, I wouldn't have got it, uh, received, like call it my, my seed money that helped me through the future. Like I was able to get in and get out in time. Um, and, and I'm without that, I would have not had this money to go and invest and continue growing our portfolio that we have now. And so there was a benefit to it. Now, I didn't make up the rules. We were playing along the rules that were at that time. And so it was um, uh, when the market did collapse, that's when I realized I'm like, oh, boy, then it was different. Right. Then all this all this, you know, um, it was you couldn't you couldn't go get these loans anymore. It was hard. And even if you fixed up a property, the value wasn't there anymore. And so luckily I've, and then I've since learned from that last downturn on, on what to do differently this, this, this time around. But um, yeah. So when you were getting started, just, just for the audience, uh, yeah. you know, roughly, you know, around what time frame? and I'll just uh, comment a little bit. What, what you just said is that my, my mom as a real estate agent did the same, you know, prior to 2007 and right around that earlier 2000s, um, she was buying properties when she had an opportunity mm -hmm. and the same kind of thing. Like you didn't need to, you didn't need to qualify. You didn't need to, you know, um, uh, I, I tell a lot of my clients the same thing, like, Hey, when just going to break down how qualifying works, you have your pre-qualification, which is you just tell them what you need, what, what you have, what you make. 
no documents, you have pre-approval where you need documents. Then you have a conditional approval, which just means like, hey, you're approved, uh, accept a couple of things. And I just kind of break that down from when you are right now, we're in a state where everybody, no one does pre-qualifications anymore. Mm-hmm. We only do pre-approval and even pre-approvals, you're not you know, necessarily guaranteed. So understand the difference. Okay. And if we can get you, you know, kind of ahead of the game and get it, you know, pre-approved, it's almost like, you know, uh, walking up, you know, purchasing something with cash. And so that's how I break down for them. Um, and then, and so prior to 2007, of course, that's what, you know, my mom was doing, uh, similar to what you were talking about, which was common practice was, it was normal practice, uh, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if you didn't get the loan, if you didn't have the money, like it didn't close. Right. Uh, but you can stay to whatever you want. You can make water, whatever offer initially you want, as long as you came with the money at closing, you're good. Yeah. Right. And so, so what, uh, what uh, just roughly in years, what around that time when you were getting started and all this stuff you were talking about was about when? Yeah. So that was, I mean, we got started like right away, like 2003. Yeah. From 2003. So I was, I was 23 years old um, and said, yes, I'll, I'll buy my first place and, and then I'll buy my next place. And then, and then, it, so yeah, so that was, yeah, it was right at 2003. So I, so I ended up graduating and, and, you know, jumped with both feet in um, on the investment side and obviously just working alongside Mark and helping him with all the things that he was doing and just learning. Yeah. Asking so questions. You, so you me. rode that wave. You rode that wave. I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote it. Yeah. 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 Which a lot of people it, did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some people think the crash means everything goes away. No, maybe some things go away. Maybe like, hey, you own 12 buildings and now you have nine. Okay. But you still have nine, you know? And so, and so there was benefits to that too. Yeah. It's always interesting to me how the human mind works. You know, uh, we hear some news and they give you some broad, you know, uh, info or indicator and you think everything's like that you know mm-hmm. uh, especially you know right now you know we're both in real estate so we can we can um i can mention this uh, because a lot of uh you know fear uncertainty and doubt out there regarding the market regarding the job market regarding the economy regarding inflation and all this stuff but i'll tell you here in southern california uh, in a lot of places in a lot of areas and things are still business as usual. Uh, Good homes are still selling for high prices. When you're presented properly, you're prepped it properly. It's not falling apart. It presents itself well. Um, It's still selling at multiple, multiple offers at high prices. Uh, What's dropped in price are the stuff that people don't want, right? Mm -hmm. Which they should drop in price because it was probably, you know, overpriced. And so uh, I just like to talk about with people, you know, hey, the market isn't one or the other. It's very hyper specific now, now that we have this COVID thing happen and we're ended up where we are right now with inflationary uh, economy is that certain pockets are doing this, are going up, certain pockets are going down. And so it's your job to know the difference, right? But uh, a lot of people who are not in real estate, you know, they don't know and they're the ones that's, you know, buying and consuming. So they have already, you know, certain mindset. Are, Are you kind of seeing the same thing? Yeah, so let me so let me touch on that, Leo. So obviously there's a lot of concern. And and what we're seeing, so I'm not dealing with the home buyer. So I I am dealing, I'm seeing something completely differently. I mean, call those two different markets completely. I, there, there's 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 overlaps, but I'm not representing the home buyer who's um, you know, who this is their home, this is the roof over their head, this is where they raise their kids, they're trying to get into a school. We're dealing with investors. And so it's it's interesting, and I understand, and I agree with you that there's all this fear, and I guess people who are, I would say, less experienced in investing in real estate, they're the ones that have the biggest fear. So, um, I interviewed like all of our big clients uh, within a two week span, called them all, 
And I asked them certain questions. What's going to happen to prices in 2023? What's going to happen to interest rates? What's going to happen to inflation? Um, and let's talk about the amount of sales. And so I went through all that. And Leo, the most interesting thing, I asked all of them, are you afraid of buying right now? Nope. Are you going to buy in 2023 if the right opportunity comes along? Um, are you afraid of this recession? Nope. Are you afraid of interest rates uh, being so high and doubling in the last nine months? Not one bit. I mean, so it's interesting that that the most savvy investors that I work with are saying, I'm in, I'm buying for the right opportunity. So what are they doing? Because I, I want people to take something away today. Investors are going to be a little more patient. They are not expecting a big price reduction. And I think that's going to hit people hard. There's no foreclosures. No one's going to give away their building. We're not seeing 30% price reductions, not for a second. And I want that to be clear because it, investors call me all the time. Juan, we want to be on your list. And I'm like, well, tell me what you're looking for. I'm like, we know the market's going to dive. I'm like, it's going to dive? I'm like, no, no it's not going to dive. So investors are expecting one thing. This is going to be the time where they're going to be able to find the property. Because they're experienced, they know where the build, what, what locations they like the best. And what they said is, we'll buy when we believe that that is a good purchase long-term. Okay. They expect, if we're lucky, a 10% price reduction, if we're lucky. Okay. So I said, hey, if you expect it to maybe go 10%, why not offer 10% less now? And they are. So for anyone looking at there, no, no one that I talked to is saying we're going to have more than a 10% price reduction if we do. Okay. Uh, interest rates, they're going to continue going up. But that doesn't mean at the investment level, they're not looking. In fact, the investors are really excited because they know that other investors are going to just sit on the sidelines and they're going to be in a position to negotiate the price and terms that benefit them. And it's really going to put them in a position to compete for a property that 10 years ago, they were unable to compete with. Listen, there's a lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of cash. And when the market is hot, they're going to beat you to the deal. And it's not because they're smarter. It's just that they're going to pay more. Okay. Well, some of these people are there. There's going to be less buyers. And so for that reason, moving forward, there's going to be opportunities. I believe inventory is going to tick up from the apartment side because here's what's happening. If you're an apartment owner, here's what's happening. You're thinking for the last 12 years, the price has just been going up. So every year it's going up. Okay. Well, the message has changed now. Hey, prices might go down. And if you're watching the news, they're taking a nosedive. Okay. That's not true, but they have this fear. And so where a lot of my sellers were on the sidelines, they're now calling me and saying, hey, did I miss the bus? Is it still time, a still good time to, to sell? And so we're going to have slightly more inventory and there's going to be opportunity for people out there. Yeah, I think uh, I, I love hearing that because, um, you know, uh, the, the unsavvy ones are taking the wrong mindset and, and the wrong, just it's just completely inaccurate assessment you know, of what the real estate market, you know, looks like. And, um, you know, just, uh, and, and for good reasons, right? We're, we're all wired to look for the, the, the biggest danger out there so that we don't get eaten, right, by a big animal. And so, of course, that always stands out the most. But hearing that all the top investors that you work with, including yourself, mm -hmm. all agree that, hey, we are on a trajectory, you know, of a uh, still a stable real estate market, right? Um, 
uh, which is why there's not a lot of inventory because everybody's kind of, you know, holding on and being able to, you know, right now, people who are selling, whether they're, it's investments or if there's, it's their own home, have a big reason to do so. And what's that reason, right? So is it a time issue? They got to, you know, get cashed out for some reason. They, 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 they want to just completely cash out and move out of state, or they want to cash out and do some other things, start a business or something like that. That's, that's a, that's a motivation that you can have a motivated seller where you guys can come in, assess it for yourself and be able to kind of have an agreement of what they need timing wise, price wise, and stuff like that, and still get a good deal for yourself. And I think that's where the market is right now. Uh, the people who are doing their due diligence and know, uh, you know, what to pay for, what things and what's available uh, to be able to jump in and do it um, is, is great. Um, you're in multifamily. So um, talk to me about what, uh, how, how, how things are looking for you, because I'm in residential, right? And so for you guys, what's the uh, uh, multifamily, and we're, we're talking about commercial, right? Anything more than four units is commercial. How is that market going right now? I know there's some constructions as well. Um, some are slower than others uh, of trying to get these things built because there's other institution, institutional investors that want, that see a future in, you know, multifamily that are building as well. So what, what are you seeing out there? Yeah. So when it comes to five plus units, here's what's happening. And a lot of people don't know this. Um, if you're going to be looking at five plus units in the past, investors were used to 30% down, you know, maybe 40% if the rents were low. In most situations right now, investors are having to do 70% down, 70, wow. seven zero. Okay. Wow. That changes the landscape a lot. Okay. That means you have to come in with way more money down and only get 30% of that purchase price. That's going to be a problem. Okay. And I've, I've been speaking with a few commercial lenders and they're like, Hey, we haven't processed an application in over a month because wow. who's, who's going to sign up for that type of loan? One would quickly take what I say and say, Oh, that's it. It's going to drop. And, and what I'm going to say is this, it's, it's a very temporary thing that's going on where, where buyers do have to bring in more down. In some cases, if the rents are high, maybe 50% down, but like the reality is most rents are not high. I mean, I only sell apartment buildings, uh, office and land stuff, but, but for the most part, most apartment buildings, the rents are not where they should be. And so right now at that level, massive down payment. Okay. Savvy investors, experienced investors have it, you know, they have the down payment and for the right building. They're going to go chase it. You know, I have a 12 unit in escrow and an 18 unit in escrow. These, these were on the market for three weeks. Okay. Wow. Okay. You know, close to $14 million in assets right there. Right. They're in escrow. They're in escrow. Who's buying them? Oh, the one guy who owns the majority of properties in that town. Right. right. Okay. And he's putting 70% down. So there's still buyers out there. They're not heading for heading for the hills. Here's the thing. And here's what I tell people when it comes to apartment buildings. When you invest in apartment buildings, you're investing in an asset that there is not enough of. They can't make any more of it. They can't make any more of it. So all you need to do, it's, it's a very basic thing. It's buy and hold. And what ends up happening is the day that you close escrow on that apartment building, whether it's a three, four, or a 10 unit building, there's literally, it's like you're open for business. And if you had a vacancy, everyone knows about it and they want to rent it. Like we have an extreme housing shortage. And so when, when I look at an investment, I'm like, okay, that gives me another 10 doors that I get to, that I get to control. And the market keeps pushing that price up. I'm not pushing it up. Yeah. The market is telling me that that there's demand for it. And so yeah. it's it's 
for me, I keep thinking they're not making more of it. And, and if I'm in a position where the opportunity is there and I'm able to finance it, I do it. One of the investors, uh, when I called and he said, Juan, um, here's what he said. He's like, Juan, tell your, he's like, tell your, your followers this. And this is Southern California only, because I'm not talking about other markets. Okay. He said, buy whatever you could buy right now. And 10 years from now, you'll look like a genius. Yeah. And he I, says, he says, because you can't really make a mistake when it comes to rental properties, you cannot make a mistake. Can I, can I create an, uh, a scenario where I think that's a mistake of uh, maybe short-term financing? Yeah. But he's like, if you're, if you're buying right, if you're getting the right loan, the even Leo, here's the thing. And I want people to know this. Most properties, when you buy them year one, year two, they don't make money. There's no cash flow. You know, when you said that your mother cash flowed, in my head, I'm like, yeah, she cash flowed year three, year four, year five. At some point it does. And a lot of people make the mistake of it doesn't cash flow right now, Juan. So I'm not buying it. I'm like, you're making such a big mistake because 12 months from now, those rents are going to change. People move out. You're going to bring them up to market. There's so many buildings that I think if someone looked at my own investments and they would say, you overpaid for that building, Juan. But now that I fast forward three years and the rents have just skyrocketed and now I'm cash flowing and now it's different. But like people make the mistake of they look at one year, one year of what the income is doing. I'm like, no, no, no. Are you going to own it for a year or are you going to own it for 20 years? And that's really that's really the mindset that I need people to change. And I'm very adamant about now because I see that the people have built wealth. What have they done? Are they are they super smart? Not really. They just took the risk of buying and holding. That's it. Yeah. Not much more to it. Yeah. Um, I, I, three things that I was thinking of uh, is um, number one, know that demand is not going away. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have lower inventory because we have more competition. We don't have low inventory because of, because the economy or market crashed. We have low inventory because uh, people are more people are holding. Right. Uh, because they see more, more and more people are seeing the value, and then mm-hmm. we have institutional investors are also gobbling up stuff we didn't where they didn't before COVID, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then uh, we have uh, investors such as people that you're working with. Um, they know, like, hey, we still want it. We we know they're not making anymore. So how can we continue to find deals and be able to buy them and then hold them, as you said? And then lastly, is is like you know, I talk about this with all the time with people who want to invest or have uh, or, or started investing not that long ago is that they don't understand that it's a little bit like your health. If you drink water today for the next week, like you'll feel better. But if you if you continue that, you'll have better health three years from now or a year from now. Not today, right? Just because you did something today doesn't mean, you know, it's going to mean anything. But if you hold that, you know, if I, if, if I can use that term, if you hold that, you know, whatever is, is eating healthy, drinking water, sleeping well, lowering your stress. If you do those things, it's a long-term payoff, right? Mm-hmm. And just like investing here, like, yeah, you have to pay some in the short term and your pay, your, 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 your payment could be the, uh, you know, buying it maybe has some down payment that you had to put down. And also if it's not cash flowing, then you're, you're having to, you know, uh, uh, pay a little bit more because it's a little bit upside down, right? But that equity, that the speed of that equity going up is just going to completely outpace that stuff over time, not tomorrow, yeah. 
So I hear this all the time. People say, oh, I need to invest out of state because I can get it for 200K. I can get it for 80K or things like that. And I say, well, first of all, you forget that you have expenses of, uh, of managing it because you're not there. And if you don't have proper people that you know down there to manage it, like that thing is basically going to crash because you're not going to get the money you need out of it. Um, and so uh, then the second thing regarding, you know, investing out of state is that, well, if you bought something for, let's just say for 200K instead of, you know, here, uh, 600K a unit or whatever, yeah. right? Well, mm-hmm. when, when, uh, when it appreciates 10%, Okay, here you got 60K that you appreciated, you gained that equity, and here you gained 20K. Now, do you want to make 20K? You want to make 60K, right? Yeah. Well, we'll 60K and, all day yeah. long. And, and Leo, I agree with everything you're saying. Out of state, you may not get that 10% increase. Right. There's, there's a lot of people that, that I helped early on, and, and they built wealth here, and then they went out of state, and they've come back. And I'm like, what happened? And they're like, the thing we bought in Cincinnati? 15 years, it's worth the same. I'm like, it's worth the same, but it's worth the same. I'm like, oh, that forget about it. You know, people talk about a couple of things. I want cash flow. And let me be very clear. Like, I, I'm just really hearing, and I don't want to call them excuses, but but they are. Everyone wants, I want cash flow. I don't say that, Leo. I want massive appreciation, massive appreciation. And where's the one place that does it? Oh, the one place that simply doesn't have enough housing, the one place where the weather, the jobs, the demand, the lifestyle is here that people simply want to keep going. I don't buy into this uh, uh, narrative that everyone's leaving California. Really? Are we fighting to get into the border of Arizona and Nevada? Not for a second, not for a second. You know, um, it's, it's uh, you know, a, a model that I got from Mark Milan was one, it's not get rich quick. It's get rich guaranteed. Okay. And that, that is what you have to do. Again, going back to the, not everything out of state appreciates. It just doesn't, it could stay the same. Oh, so, so here's my point about cash flow. I want cash flow. I want cash flow. I want cash flow. Everyone says it. Leo, I've never heard a successful real estate investor say, Juan, I made so much money off that cash flow. They not once has, have they said that what they do say man, I made so much building from the appreciating of that property. No one has ever said I made so much money from that cash flow. Like that is, think about it. Who has ever said that? Why do we want it so much? It's just that we've not been taught properly. And another thing, these investors that I talk to, and and, you know, I do have a YouTube channel um, and I interview these investors and every single one of them, I'm like, were you scared when you were buying it? They're like, I was a little nervous. I'm like, did you think you were getting a good deal? I was hoping I got a good deal, but now all of them are like, man, I should have bought more. Everyone says I should have bought more. And so it's it's interesting because, you know, people say, well, I should have bought 20 years ago. I'm like, okay, that, okay that's a true statement. So then do you not buy now? Like, don't you want to buy it now and hold 20 years? Why don't you say that 20 years from now? And everyone thinks you're a genius because you bought 20 years, right. you know, Leo. So there's, so there's, there's a couple of things that's been happening. Some investors were on the sidelines this whole time because they're like, uh, hey, this is going up too fast. It's not justifiable. It's going up too fast. I, I can't make sense of it. Um, it's going past its seven-year life cycles. It's going into the year 10. And so they did nothing. It's too competitive. Prices keep going up. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. So for 10, 12 years, Leo, these investors did nothing. Yeah. And now 
what excuse do they have now? Oh, the interest rates are too high. Yeah, not right now. Right, and exactly. What, and Leo, what ends up happening? What ends up happening? 10 years lost, 20 years lost. All you had, to, you're just losing by not taking action. Yeah. You're losing by not taking action. There's absolutely a cost of time, you know, uh, a cost of time. And uh, we, we see it here uh, in residential as well as, you know, what you're talking about with investors. Um, you know, uh, I think it's, I think it's kind of funny because I think about, because we get feedback, you, you as well, feedback from your investors and uh, partners and people that are buying and selling. And we hear it like, okay, last year, things prices were going up and you said, oh, it's too expensive. I don't want to buy, right? And now the prices come down like, oh, you know, interest rates too high. I don't want to buy. So, so they always have some sort of excuse, mm -hmm. right? But unfortunately, what they don't realize is that on an average year, even without COVID, without anything going, uh, let's just say on an average year, over the last 30 years, 40 years, on an average year, uh, homes appreciate between 5% and 8% every year every year and you compound that every year right and so during covid and 20 late 2020 2021 and now 20 uh, earlier 2022 you appreciated about 35 40% at least you know uh, especially in our affluent area here you know mm -hmm. in southern california um, and so you take that appreciation up i'll just say one thing real quick like if you bought a $500,000 home and your friend bought a 1.2 million dollar home in 10 years, that $500,000 home could be worth about a million. Okay. You doubled your money. Okay. Mm -hmm. In equity. Mm -hmm. Right. And my friend who bought a $1.2 million home, right. It's worth 3 million. So I'll go back again. Like you want to make a half a million dollars or you want to make $1.8 million. Yeah. Right. So that right. price scale, people have to just understand that, you know, as, as far as like deciding, oh, I can, you know, invest in Arizona, I can invest in Vegas or, you know, whatever the scale is just completely different. So it is absolutely worth it with whatever amount that you can qualify. Now, if you just don't have enough money to qualify and you have to buy out of state, just make sure that that whatever you buy is going to do some appreciation is going to be a good buy, just like you were buying it here. Mm -hmm. How are you going to manage it? How are you going to, you know, what's the ec economics going to look like there? Right. And so I think, uh, I think it's very, very important to just continue to talk about this cost of time, you know, and they, people just talk themselves out of it. And I mean, we do that, right? I'll go back to the health example. Like, oh yeah, you know, I'll drink water tomorrow. Like mm -hmm. today I'm super busy, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You know, today I'm a little tired. So, you know, um, you know, I, I won't do this. I won't do that. Like it's just kind of human nature. But what we want to do is inspire people to know that, hey, this is absolutely the right decision, no matter what time you get in. And if you didn't get in yesterday, you know, then get in today, right? When's the best time to buy? Yesterday. When's the second best time to buy, you know, right now. Right. So uh, mm -hmm. that's just the game of real estate, you know, yeah. and if you can just stick to those principles that the sky's a limit, um, uh, find the best deals that you can, but uh, don't sleep on it because it does not just does not get cheaper. And you talk to a lot of your investors. And I was just thinking about this lately too, is that I don't think, and you, I'd love your opinion too. I don't think in the next year or two, even with the, with uh, everything that's happening, I don't think the prices are going to really come down, right? So it's never really going to get any cheaper than right now. Like, would you would you agree with that? 
Yeah. So I would go back to what I said is that maximum, we're probably going to see like a 10% price reduction, but a 10% price reduction, run the numbers. That's not a significant thing. Mm -hmm. You know, one, one error that I hear people say is, oh, but you're going to overpay and then rents are going to fall. And I'm like, rents are going to fall. When is the last time rents have fallen in Southern California? Yeah. Let's look at trends. They don't fall. They go in one direction up, right? They go up. And so that's, it's every, every day. And I don't, I don't want to go uh, have these discussions with people, but listen, Leo, I had the opportunity to, to, to be like taught by Mark and Mark taught me time. And he said, not get rich quick. It's get guaranteed. And one, it doesn't take a whole lot of smarts to buy something to hold it. And, uh, and before you know it, it's doubled and tripled in price. Those fundamentals will never change in Southern California. And so you know, I, I, you know, he was my Mr. Miyagi where he taught me and Leo, what I've, what I'm doing now is, is I want to teach uh, people. And, and some of that is, I just feel like a lot of people might be in a situation where they're like, ah, that's not me. I can't do it. Or yes, you can. I, I was able to do it. I was able to learn. I was able to apply it. Um, I have a master class, Leo, that I want to talk about right now. And in this master class, it's January 12th. It's a, a two hour course with me that I'm teaching uh, online. And I'm going to cover uh, what I call the um, uh, invest wisely 621 formula. I've come up with a formula. And anytime I look at a building, this is the formula that I put it through. And it's it's the formula that I learned from Mark. It's any, any anytime I talk to any investor, any broker, any appraiser, I walk them through this formula. I'm like, this is how I arrive at value. This is how I'm comfortable. This is when I know it's time to buy. And one thing, Leo, a lot of people, you know, we we started promoting uh, this masterclass um, during Thanksgiving, Black Friday. And a lot of people that are signing up are real estate agents. Um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, hey, the market is going to slow down uh, uh, people that sell homes. And what I'm telling realtors is, do, do, do you want to add another lead pillar where you want to learn how to sell to investors, how to talk the way that they talk, how to think the way that they think, how to analyze the way that they analyze so that when you find something, instead of saying, hey, the, here's a five unit building, what, what are your thoughts? Why don't you go through and say, here's a five unit building. And here's the, the, the three things that I love about it from a cap rate perspective, uh, from a return uh, equity perspective, from a cash on cash return. This is tremendous. Like this is not hard to learn, but a lot of us haven't learned it. And so um, I want to say that that January 12th, I do have this master class. And so if anyone wants to come learn two hours and, you know, we're still doing an early bird special, I would certainly like to put that out awesome. there. Awesome. Well, I know at least three to five people that have been talking to me about investment would definitely be interested. So I'm going to get the link out there for you. Uh, those of you listening and are interested, uh, reach out to either me or Juan. If you want the link, I'll, I'll get it on in the comments. Mm -hmm. um, Juan, uh, I I can't uh, appreciate you enough you know, about coming on and uh, sharing all of this valuable uh, information as well as your just extremely um, inspiring story. Um, I, I wish, you know, more people, more people had, you know, the kind of uh, inspiring story that you have. And it's a, it's a, it's a very, uh, very fortunate and rare thing. So, and I appreciate you as a person because, uh, you know, uh, even given the opportunities, not everybody would take the right path for them. And, and I've obviously it paid off uh, for you. Um, uh, I'm going to close out by just sharing your quote that the, uh, uh, you uh, told me that you wanted to share with the world, which is working on a fear reduces the fear of it. And, working, uh, uh, hold on, working on a weakness, working on a weakness reduces the fear of it.
Okay, working on a weakness yeah. reduces the fear of it, and I, I think this uh, this whole hour that we've been chatting uh, really just um, kind of encapsulates uh, you know this one quote. So I appreciate you uh, for sharing that, and uh, I look forward to having you back on again. We have more multifamily stuff to talk about. I, there's other things that I want to uh, get into um, anytime, Leo. Thank you for your time. I really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, thank you so much for having me. It means a lot to me. Thank you, Juan. Cool. And we are out. Cool. All right, Leo. I, I didn't even know it was an hour, man. So if I went too long, but if no, I went no, too no, long. no, we shoot for 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, but like I said, like we have something that's just uh, amazing. Like I, we, I, I'm fine with keep, uh, continue going as long as, uh, you, you got the time. So I, I'm good, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, I track, um, you know, we track everything, um, our YouTube leads. Um, we don't get a whole lot of leads from IG or Facebook. So we spend a lot of time on, on, on YouTube. So I want to make sure I want to promote the YouTube channel. And obviously the, now listen, the master class comes from, uh, uh, the, um, inspiration of Sharon, right? So yeah, oh, without, absolutely. without absolutely. that, without, without his, uh, without kind of like watching what he's doing, yeah, I would have never done this. And so I've been on several podcasts and, and, um, so here's what's happened for me. So my SEO strategies, we break down all of our closings. And so what we realized was that one of my highest and best uses is me being, me being on podcast. Yeah. Awesome. And I don't know if other people know or say that, but anyhow, so for us, it's been like, so now uh, it's like one, get on more podcast. And so I'm not doing a good job of putting myself out there, but I went, when I got your message, I'm like, absolutely. Let's go. Yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, I'd love to have you back on. Uh, there's a lot yeah. of topics to talk about. Uh, my, my podcast is just focused on really three main things. Uh, something as inspirational story, um, a, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, of course, business and entrepreneurship, you know, and lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So those are the three things. And uh, a lot of those things, you know, they crisscross and stuff like that. Well, we want to just, if possible, always have something inspiring, you know, and, uh, you know, kind of the lifestyle of real estate, you know, and then business. So cool. uh, you totally uh, capture that. So uh, it's been super awesome. I do have jumped on another one cool. here. So right. um, I, I will uh, let you know, of course, you'll see it on social media and stuff. And I'll send you an email that we're going to release it uh, to the podcast, uh, you know, world. So thanks again, Juan. Thank you, Leo. Appreciate All it. Right. All right, man. You. Have a good day. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to receive notifications of all new episodes and please give us a positive review. And if you want to hang out with us live, check out our YouTube channel where you can continue the conversations with me and our guests.